Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi everyone, today I have the pleasure of chatting with guest, narrator, author, and owner of Lyric Audiobooks, Andy Arndt, and Katie Robinson, a producer of Lyric Audiobooks, is joining us as well. Hi guys, welcome. Hi. Hi. So when did you guys start a little bit telling us a little bit about yourselves and you know how you came into being, Andy, in your case, a narrator, author, business owner? Um, <laughs> did you want me to go first? Or whoever, you guys pick. Yeah, go ahead, Andy. (laughs) Uh, Well, about 10 years ago, I got into audiobook narration. And um, I got into it initially as a proof listener for a production company. And I learned a whole lot by listening a lot and uh, being on the production side of the industry. And I let my boss know that actually I was interested in jumping over to the narrator side of things and acting background I taught acting at the university level, and I had done some audiobook-specific performance training with the wonderful Pat Fraley um, and Scott Brick, Hillary Huber, and Kate Amazer. Um, so sure enough, sooner or later, they found an audition for me, and I got onto the narrator side of things and started to build up my career. And about 2015, I started to get more romance. Um, Things developed with uh, Kylie Scott's Stage Dive series, and people started discovering me through that and requesting me. Things kind of snowballed to the point where I was getting more requests to do books than I had time to do books. And yet I knew all these really great narrators who were super good at romance, both men and women. And so I started to say, well, I can't do this particular, especially if it's a series, it's hard to commit to, but I can cast and produce it for you. So I started to do that just myself. And then um, I guess it was 2017 or 2018, it was 2018. I um, met a representative from a small publishing house at RT in Atlanta, and they asked us to do a whole series for them that was a book a week. And that kind of volume uh, was just, I <laughs> wow. needed help. Um, but I always try to find a way to say yes, if I can. So I asked Marnie Penn and Coleman, who I've known forever. We were actually college roommates. Um, if she would, if she's an actor, she's way more experienced as an actor than I will ever be. Um, and I asked her if she would be interested in being the production coordinator for just for that series. And she picked up, she picked everything up super quick. Um, and then we maxed out her time. And then we added um, Kim Gilmore, who's up in New York State. And um, then she took on a roster of authors. We maxed out her time. <laughs> and then we're like, all right, we're going to do one more. But this one's really got to count. And thank God, Katie Robinson responded to our, <laughs> to our um, posting that we were looking for another production coordinator. And um, so now we're, we're good. We decided at the beginning of this year, um, we have Kat Littrell, um, I'm sorry, Littrell, Kat Littrell, I always say that wrong, 
Mm -hmm. um, she is heading up our Australian division, which oh, is wow. very exciting. Um, so she's focused on authors in Australia right now. So we have Marnie, Kim, Katie, and Kat. Um, yeah. A lot and of K's. A lot of K's. A lot of K's. Mm -hmm. We'll have to calling Marnie Kamarni or something. <laughs> That's fantastic. I didn't know that you guys were branching out internationally. <laughs> yeah, man. That's awesome. All, all we need is a UK division. I'm I was just about to say that. <laughs> Johannesburg, and then we'll cover the. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Fantastic. What about you, Robin? How'd you get into this? <laughs> Katie. Um, sorry, yeah, sorry. Katie. Sorry. Robin's my sorry. last name, so it was yeah, close. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think like many people, I kind of had like a non-traditional introduction into the audiobook world. Uh, I was a t an ESL teacher for quite a few years and uh, I started working for a startup in Toronto and I was getting kind of burnt out and knew that I wanted to make a change and I'd always wanted to go into publishing uh, initially. Um, it just never really took me there. So I mostly got lucky. I found a job posting for um, a retailer at the time that was looking to branch out and start publishing audiobooks. And I basically interviewed, it was the most uh, intense interview of my life, uh, which I think is saying a lot because startups always like to be creative. Um, and so anyways, I went in, I had this interview uh, with the lovely Michelle Katz, who now is at Kobo. Um, she does audiobooks there, but at the time, yeah, she was there and she was looking for an acquisitions editor. So that's kind of how I started um, in the audiobooks field. I was basically just trying to find books to make into audio. And um, after a few months, I took over social media there. Um, lots of ups and downs, lots of like purchases and cha big changes because it was a startup. And uh, eventually we moved, uh, changed companies, changed owners. And eventually we got to the point where um, it was just a small team of us and we wanted to do a romance, uh, like branch off more into romance. So I kind of took the lead on that with Michelle and yeah, that's kind of how I think Andy and I crossed paths. Obviously I tried to cast Andy many, many times, <laughs> most of the time was very unsuccessful because she was so busy. Um, but yeah, so it was, that's kind of how I got more into the romance audiobook scene was through that imprint and, um, that's when I really realized how much I loved romance. I had read romance like here and there um, because I kind of read across all genres. But at that time I decided I was gonna only read romance for a few months and it just kind of like re-sparked my love for it. Mm -hmm. And once I started working in the romance audiobook field, I realized that a lot of the narrators and, and the authors are like so passionate and just like, it's such a friendly community and everybody's really working to support each other. So I once, um, I left that imprint, I like knew I really wanted to get back into it. So when Andy came to me, even though she says it was a miracle on her part, it was more a miracle on my part because I was so excited um, to get back into the romance audiobook field for sure. Andy, you started um, as a narrator. Yes. And, and then you listened to the video. So I kind of know how a little bit how the Heidi's Guide to the Four Little Words started. But why don't you tell us how that? all really came about? Um, well, I mean, beyond what, what, what we covered in the Audible video, um, it came about quickly, I remember, from just sort of having this fun idea that you play around with with your friends 
where the stakes are really low and you can, you know, be silly and laugh with your friends to, I just kept thinking about that character whose name was not Heidi to begin with, but became Heidi later. Um, but it's a good name for her. Uh, and it just, I thought, oh, I've always heard actors talk about how they created an original character. And I, I would think, well, I must not be able to do that because that doesn't really work like that for me. But I realized that the fact that I kept thinking about this, this fictitious woman and this fictitious scenario and, and the um, disconnect between her accent and level of comfort with that material and the very frank, you know, right there <laughs> nature <laughs> of an explicit love scene, it just made me laugh. And so then I found out at that Apollycon that it made other people laugh too. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of go, oh, maybe it's as simple as having an idea that seems like a, an idea worth pursuing. Um, and so I was lucky to have a connection at Audible who hooked me up with Tara and Tara and I hit it off and there we are. So, yeah. No, it was, it was hilarious. And um, for the listeners that don't know about a little bit about um, Heidi's Guide to the Four Little Words, that's actually not even the original title, I know, right? Because you were no. thinking of other things. <laughs> <laughs> no, we wanted to call it Heidi's Discount Erotica because that's the name of her podcast. Yeah. Um, and the the joke with the name of her podcast, it comes out accidentally when she's drunk that she should call it Heidi's Discount Erotica because nobody would pay full price to listen to her read this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it comes out of this deep insecurity. Um, and I do coach narrators who want to start recording romance, but they want to know if they're a good fit for it mm -hmm. because they don't know if they sound creepy. I've had, I've had men actually say, I want to read you a passage and you tell me if I sound creepy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, it's just a really intimate medium to begin with. And you're all by yourself. You have zero feedback. It's not like there's an audience there. And so you're kind of in this weird feedback loop and you don't have any way of knowing how it is. And so I think the scenario came partly out of just the common experience that any romance narrator or any narrator has of feeling like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> sitting by yourself with your microphone, you know, so. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. And it's, it's, um, it was published in, in last year mm -hmm. and it was actually right around the time that I was like, I think I'm going to start my podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been doing the audiobook loving series for at the time, five years. And I was getting the ideas um, because people were saying, hey, you should do this just more year round. And I'm like, I can't do it daily like I do it in June for audiobook month. And, and so I'm here, I'm listening and we ha haven't officially launched the podcast yet. And I'm going, oh, equipment. And so this whole thing with Heidi and how her process was, was hilarious. And I could so relate to that. I have yet to do an episode where I am drunk. Um, I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> She sounded like she had fun, you know, so, you know, it's one of the things where I can loosen up a little bit, but it was just so much fun. But um, the authors always say, oh, I don't listen to my audiobooks. I go, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't. Well, this is one of your books, but you also narrated it. How was that for you? Um, well, I was talking to another narrator who is working on a book um, and I got to co-narrate it as her best friend. So that was just like 
amazing because we get along really well in real life. And she said, what was it like when, you know, when you recorded Heidi? And I said, the weirdest thing was finishing the, finishing it because with a, with a regular audiobook project, I find out about it. It's on my calendar. I'm doing a book a week or more sometimes like 11 books this month. Um, and so then I, I, you know, prepare the book, I record the book, I get the corrections, the book's done, I'm on to the next book. But this, when it's your book, you're so invested in it and you're so involved in so much of the process, the publicity schedule, approving the cover art, uh, going through edits and all this stuff. And the angst of, are people going to like it? Are people going to read it? Are people going to listen to it? So after all that, you know, we get ready. We have this party on this great rooftop in Minneapolis overlooking this lake. And, you know, the next day I go into the studio for day two. I think it took two and a half days to record it. Day three, halfway through a normal studio day, we finished. And I remember looking out at the engineer and saying, is that it? like that's it we're done and they're like yeah like isn't there something else (laughs) I didn't want you know I felt like you feel when you do a play in school and you finish the last performance and the curtain closes and you're like wow I'm never going to do that play again it's kind of (laughs) sad um and then it's the only book of mine that I've narrated that I actually listened to all the way through. Wow. And at times I forgot it was me and that was weird. Um, <laughs> but, but I listened to the whole thing all the way through when we had the pre-release uh, access to it. And that was, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed listening to it. Normally I don't enjoy listening to my stuff, but working with Tara, you know, it was, it was mine, but it wasn't mine because she had so much to do with the connective tissue of how the story unfolded. Mm-hmm. There would be no, there would be no Heidi guide, Heidi's Guide to Four Letter Words without Tara. Yeah, it's always, I always find it fascinating when they, when a book is written, like co-written, it's like sometimes the dynamics of how they do things, but still when you get the final product, it all makes sense. And I'm like, there's two different people writing this thing. <laughs> did you yeah. focus on a particular side of the uh, of the story versus what she was focusing on or was it like all over the place with each other um I did a lot of the podcasts and I did it uh improvised here in my booth where I'm talking to you and I would she would kind of write okay here's what's going on in the actual Heidi story and now we need another podcast. And so knowing what I would know about the stage of the story, what are her concerns? How many times has she done this podcast now? What's going on? Um, I would go into the booth, get myself into that sort of too much to drink, loose tongued, whatever, and send Tara a bunch of raw material. And sometimes she basically transcribed it and sometimes she elaborated on it. Um, the uh, ABC podcast was completely improvised. And I don't know that she did a whole lot to that particular part. And then there's a, a scene in, she and Brent are coming home from a date and they're in the garage in his truck. And she says all this stuff about um, 
being cute, being called cute. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wrote that section. I I get that a lot too. Like, oh yeah, you're cute. I'm like, hey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hope that resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. I think it did. I think this book was what I loved about it was the character didn't change in like in a lot of romance. I mean, again, I love romance. I'm not, you know, going anything negative about it. But it always seems like there's this huge transformation for the guy to realize that, oh my God, she is hot. And usually you just take off the glasses. And as a girl that wears glasses, that doesn't work. Um, (laughs) I've tried. Um, (laughs) But she, overall, the only change that happened with her was her confidence in herself by doing stuff by herself. And, And it was just awesome to kind of see that you could totally be yourself. And she was a sweet, nerdy, um, and then of course the accent was something too. I've never heard a Minnesota accent in a book where it's romance and they're the main character. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's, you know, I, there's no call for it. No. <laughs> Nobody ever, you know, th- it's not considered a sexy accent. Yeah. And yet when I was, you know, we moved away when I was a teenager, but when I was you know, starting to get interested in boys, which was shortly before we moved. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was all part of the package. Um, and so it's gotten sort of cliched as this strident um, accent, this sort it's, you know, the, the connotation of it. And I would like to challenge that. <laughs> <laughs> And Katie could probably talk about the whole Canadian thing, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. that is true. That's the next accent you have to take on, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <Make sexy>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Justin Trudeau's trying his best, but... <laughs> hey, speaking of handsome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it, that's actually a great book idea, you know, having a series based on the accents, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was... I loved it. Again, part of it was the the dynamics uh, and then the heroine and also, again, the, the accent. One of our neighbors is um, from the Midwest and sometimes I hear something slightly like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, now I got it. Don't you know? Um, and things, but the, the, those sayings, I always love those sayings when it's specifically to a culture or, a, you know, an area where people live. It's, uh, it's always fascinating to me. And uh, I know that it was, um, don't you know, what was that? Ufta was the other one? Yeah, Ufta. Ufta, yeah. That would have been good for me when I was younger and learning curse words instead of being, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. my mom would have been much happier with me going oofta than some of the other colorful things that would come out of my mouth. Um. <laughs> well, and my, you know, my grandparents' generation had a lot more of those sort of um, ways of speaking, mm-hmm. uh, ways of structuring a sentence that nobody uses anymore. And I got a couple of... Um, dings from Minnesotans who got very technical about, well, Waconia is really greater Twin Cities at this point. It wouldn't sound so much like way out in the farming areas or way up north um, that has a stronger accent. And I know that, but we actually talked about what names of towns had good vowel sounds for the accent. And so uh, Waconia won. Mm -hmm. But we definitely talked about Owatonna <laughs> <laughs> um, 
which I dated a guy named Tad from Owatonna when I was in college. <laughs> and um, yeah. Wow. And congratulations. You were a winner. Um, that book was winner of the best 2019 in audio, Audible Escapes. So congratulations for that. Yeah. that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you will come from being this, the, the narrator and the author, and of course now the, the business owner. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is um, Lyric Audiobooks? Okay, so there's some confusion sometimes because I'll have fellow um, producers ask me about buying rights. I do not buy rights. Um, Lyric Audiobooks is a production company, which means that authors who want to retain their audiobook rights, which means they get all the income, all the royalty income, um, come to us purely to cast and produce and deliver a retail ready audiobook. And so it's not on a royalty share basis, it's a buyout. So we have a per finished hour cost. So authors pay us a per finished hour amount um, to produce their audiobook. Sometimes they already know who they would like casting wise. Sometimes they ask us to send it out for auditions so they can hear maybe three men, three women and cast from a, a short list that we recommend. And then we schedule everything, we coordinate everything, we have post-production people who do editing and proof listening and mastering of the final audio, so that all the author has to do is upload it to whatever distribution platform they choose. And um, so Katie, did you, is there anything you wanna add about working with authors? I mean, not really, like that really covers it. I guess basically as a producer, for Lyric, our job is just to make the life of the author, as far as audiobooks go, as easy as possible. So if there's any hiccups or, yeah, if we're having trouble casting someone, it's like we take on that burden. We don't put it on the author. And hopefully that just makes it seem as though for them, everything is going super easily and smoothly so that, you know, they receive their audio when they need to, they upload it and that's it. You make it sound so like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you guys are, it's like sometimes wrangling cats to get everything because these are, they're, they're a, lot, a lot of the narrators are very busy and they're, you know, they're being cast out. Um, but I know that in the, for those of us that listen to the closing credits, um, we hear things produced by and edited by, engineered by, production manager and all these lovely terms. And many of us are going, who, what, when, where, what? Um, can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, exactly what these roles are? Katie, sure. Take a crack <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and Andy, feel free to jump in. <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, for most of our, at least for most of my productions, um, yeah, we do have a producer. So in, in that case, for me, it would be me um, and just some of the producers that Andy already mentioned for us. Uh, and for those people, we really are just taking the script, like Andy said, uh, helping the author cast, um, discussing kind of the characters and pronunciation, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like you said, wrangling cats, trying to get schedules together. Um, so once that happens, um, we are basically just overseeing the production, making sure everything goes smoothly and that uh, everything's going on schedule. Uh, so then we also have an editor. Um, the person that I work with the most op often is kind of filling multiple roles. So uh, he is, the engineer and the editor, he's doing all of the mastering. Sometimes, uh, occasionally, there would be a need for different people to take on different roles. But yeah, for the most part, 
um, most of the projects that I've been working on. <laughs> so yeah, we're just um, trying to oversee people's schedules and making sure that everything's turned in on time. And then, yeah, basically the editor that I work with, at least um, for me, he kind of fills the role of a lot of the other roles that you mentioned. So he's the engineer and he's the proofer and he's the masterer. Um, so it's kind of nice to have someone that's doing all of those things at once, just because then they're really familiar with the project. Um, and then, yeah, so once he kind of helps with everything, he'll go through, edit the book once he receives uh, it from the, or sorry, edit the audio book, just to be clear, uh, once he receives all the audio from the narrators, and then he gets back to them uh, with all of their corrections. And once they submit pickups, he fixes the book up nicely and gets it ready for a beta listen to the author. And once the author is finished with that, uh, some of them do it themselves. Some of them have beta listeners. Um, as you mentioned, some people don't like listening to their own words. Uh, and then we make any cor needed corrections after that. And then uh, that same person will, the same editor will master uh, the files. Um, but like you said, sometimes it's separate people, but so far I've been really lucky to just work with mostly one person. And that kind of gives them like an intimate knowledge of the book that I really like. Um, but yeah, there's always, there's so many different roles in audiobook production in general that if people were trying to get into the industry that they could kind of focus on. Yeah, and uh, um, I'd love to back up just a second and have Katie talk about what mastering is, because that that's the art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's like mastering. I'm like, what are you mastering? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. And I'll, and Andy, you can jump in here with more details because I'm definitely not like the tech specs expert. But um, basically, it's just to make like all of your CDs when we were kids and stuff like all of the music that we hear is mastered. And it's basically just to make the audio quality as high as possible. And so you're not hearing like um, obviously in editing all this background noise gets taken out and stuff, but it makes it so that like any dead time is not like a buzzing in your ear. It's not like a, it's essentially just lifting the quality up. Uh, Andy, do you want to elaborate there? Well, one thing that the mastering um, process also does is it evens out the overall volume mm -hmm. so that it, let's say you're driving in your car and there's a section where two characters are you know, hiding and needing to whisper to each other and you turn your volume all the way up, once the action starts up again and pe maybe people are shouting because they're running from that hiding place, you'd get blasted out of your chair if it wasn't mastered because you'd be having to turn up these really quiet parts and then the loud parts would be, you know, relative to that. So there is a, it, they bump up the quiet parts and they calm down the loud parts and the energy, the the energy still comes through as a difference, but the volume doesn't assault you, like differences in volume. Um, with two different narrators working on a book from two different studios, their microphones aren't the same, different microphones sound different on different voices, their recording environment doesn't have the same background sound, and so a really good post-production engineer is able to take those two totally different studio environments and get them simpatico. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's really a science and an art. I think if you're really good at mastering, you just will forever go unnoticed because that's when you know it's a good mastering job is that you don't notice anything wrong. And 
Um, I mean, that's what you're always aiming for. But if, if somebody doesn't do a good job on mastering, you'll notice right away for sure. The next thing, and I know it's a rather large netted um, question is, but what do you guys recommend to authors that are going, I want my book to be in audio format, but I don't know where to start or if it's worth it or all that, you know, those, you know, questions that they ask themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I think they, I mean, they have to decide whether they want to try to sell the audio rights or retain them right off the bat. Um, obviously, there's different benefits to both. Um, I personally think that retaining your audio rights is great uh, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, so a, a, if they decide that they want to self-publish, um, then yeah, that kind of starts on a whole new journey. They have to essentially budget out how much they think they're able to afford based on what they pr can project sales for. So if they have backlist titles that are already published in print and they want to do those in audio, they could kind of look at the sales most recently, not just over time, but also recent sales and see if like they think that that can translate into the audio market. Uh, typically new releases are what do the best just because, you know, when something goes up in an Amazon ranking, like a new release um, that also helps with the audiobook. So if you can kind of use your new releases to build an audience in the audio format, um, then you can, that's kind of usually when it's a good time to go back and do backlist. Um, if you're starting with backlist, then I would think that you would want to, uh, do a lot of, like do a lot to market towards audio listeners for sure. Um, I'll let Andy jump in here as well. Cause I know she has lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've actually told authors not to go into audio as a self-production thing because their sales numbers just, I mean, I personally have put money into things that I thought were going to do well because I was interested in them. Um, my Nashville titles, for example, I did a series of memoirs that had to do with people trying to make it in the music industry. And I would, I found it so interesting. I love the whole salmon swimming upstream aspect of any competitive creative industry and we put so much resources and time and care into these um, books and I will never make that money back so I know what it's like to be so excited about something and invest in it and the people who listen to it love it um, these Nashville titles but they they're they're not going to make back their investment and the idea ideally is to make a profit for the author um, and I've had authors, you know, want to get into audio because they've heard that they should, mm -hmm. but they share their sales data with me and I just, or they'll say, I'm in the middle of writing my first book yeah. and I'm finished writing my first book. Will you narrate it? And again, it's, it's the most expensive thing that most authors it's, you know, as, as part of a new book release their audiobook is probably going to be their biggest investment. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you really don't want someone to have a bad experience because then they take it as, well, audio is not a good idea. And that's not true. You need your audience to be built up mm -hmm. so that they're ready and, will, and waiting and hungry 
for your audiobook. Um, Julia Kent's random series is just now coming into audio after years of her reading fans saying, you know, when is this going to be an audio? When is this going to be an audio? And we just um, produced the first two in that series for her with Katie producing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, people are loving it and it was worth the wait. So I would, I would say to an author who's been hearing, you know, you must get into audio, just hold up, <laughs> make, you know, make sure that your sales figures and the size of your audience are going to make a good outcome for you. Yeah. What about when someone says to you guys, oh, we want like Andy to do it, or we want, you know, Sebastian York or Zachary Weber, and it can go on and on and on because I love these narrators. Um, do you kind of try to figure out more about, it, about the character versus who's narrating it? when you go to that process? Uh, definitely, especially for certain narrators, like there's just certain characters that I know, um, like Sebastian York, for instance, is really strong with and that he really likes to narrate. So if it kind of falls into that category, then I'm a lot more like, okay, yes, let's like approach him right away and see what his schedule is like. Um, but if it's something that I think it just isn't like if, you know, if it was like a 19 year old boy who's falling in love, I probably wouldn't suggest him to cast. Uh, and because I don't think he would like be as attuned to that character either. But um, if, you know, if they really have their heart set on someone, of course, we'll always talk to the narrator. But um, my go-to is just to provide like as many options as possible. So if they say, okay, I really want this one narrator, um, I can say, okay, here are three others that also sound a lot like him that might be a bit better, or I can also just talk to him instead. Um, so, and again, it really just depends on the author. I think that. It, to me, that's what's like the most special about Lyric is that um, as a producer, uh, I work with the same authors over and over and over again. So I really get to know them. I get to know like their preferences um, and exactly like the types of books that they're writing. And you're familiar with their voice a little bit. And and that kind of helps when you're when you're casting for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that actually, that structure of our company actually comes from, um, I talked about Marnie earlier. Marnie and I worked um, in the private sector right out of college, um, putting ourselves through our various, you know, other things that we were doing. And the structure of the department that we worked in was account managers who had specific accounts so that over time you develop a shorthand and you know what that, that client needs. And so when we take on a new author, they have a dedicated producer assigned to them. And like Katie was saying about the post-production person that she works with, they also have a shorthand way of communicating with each other. I have a, an editor who works on all my stuff that I've worked with for years. Uh, Marnie has a go-to editor that she works with. Kat in Australia and Kim up in New York State have editors that they tend to work with over and over and over. And we just think that it's a more efficient way of working. And again, this all happens really without the author needing to be aware of all the emails. Flying <laughs> oh, yes. Never ending oh, emails. <laughs> and then we didn't even talk about Camille, who's our business manager, um, who handles all, she supports all of us. She supports us by you know, checking in with um, about schedules, um, more like bookkeeping, payments, contracts, 
all that kind of stuff. Which is amazing because if we were also doing all of that, like, I don't know how she keeps it all straight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's great. She's great. Yeah, I had a pleasure meeting her um, last year at um, a polycon. She was awesome. I loved her. Yeah. And this year we took her to the Audis. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, we offered for any of our staff who wanted to go to the Audis, you know, we'll, we'll buy the ticket. And so Katie came down from Canada and Camilla came from North Carolina and Marnie came from Washington, DC. And Kim was waving to us from New, from upstate <laughs> New York. Um, but yeah, it was really great. To, you don't see a lot of support staff going to the Audis. Mm-hmm. And I just really felt strongly that if you're going to do the boring parts, you know, a batch of contracts and all that stuff, then you should get to go to the big party. <laughs> <laughs> I love your thinking. <laughs> so I love that you have that mindset. I wish more people did. Um, she, had <laughs> she had the best dress. Of yeah. the- oh, she did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Our- Vibes. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Audis are like the Oscars for audiobooks, but you guys now seem like you guys actually have so much fun there, but it's also like a reunion for you guys. Yeah. We all come out of our little hidey holes. <laughs> and get, it's like either sweats or a black tie in this industry. <laughs> in between. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You guys look like always you guys are having fun and catching up. You can, the conversations, the eyes are lit and smiles and all that fun stuff. I love seeing that for you guys. And we, we slipped the Audis in this year, right before the lockdown too. Yes. Perfect timing. (laughs) So I know that you mentioned that Lyric Audiobooks, it's a production company, but it's also very like a boutique. What I don't want is to have everybody and I do mean everybody and their mother emailing you guys saying, would you do my books? Would you do my books? Would you do my books? For your company, how do you decide that it's the right fit to have this client work with you and vice versa? Yeah. So I think we, we do get a lot of author referrals. So authors that we already work with, um, sometimes they have like a friend, uh, that they, you know, either have gone on a writing retreat with or um, that they help out with, you know, just like author questions, that kind of thing. And if they've worked with them quite a bit and they have kind of like a, almost like a reference, they'll like send their information and say, you know, I think this person really wants to get into audio. So we do take those into serious consideration just because I think most of our authors um, really know how much goes into production. They know obviously the budget, so they wouldn't, hopefully recommend someone unless they thought like they were ready to to do it um so that's something that we do uh when we're just considering i think like andy said mentioned earlier we don't want to take on anyone that we don't think is ready so if they you know that just includes asking them questions about their sales um and if we don't think that it seems like they're just financially ready that's something that we're willing to be like really open and honest about because we don't want anyone to yeah like regret their experience with us or regret going into audio altogether Uh, so it's it's really just um yeah kind of taking time to consider everyone that asks the fact that you're taking into consideration what the audience is and you're you know having taken the time to talk to the the authors is just phenomenal and that's again something that's not it's not found everywhere. And so the fact that you guys do it is, is fantastic. So I appreciate that as a yeah, listener. And something you know. that comes in a little bit, like for me personally is like, I was an acquisition editor for three years. So I, 
um, like looking at author sales ranks and kind of determining whether they are the right fit for audio is something that my brain just automatically does now. So I think when I'm like kind of looking at that, it's like a bit easier for me to 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 kind of make that jump, um, if that makes sense. So. Mm-hmm like, I don't know, I guess it would be hard for me to like lie to them, you know, and say like, yeah, you should do it. That's a great idea. Like it just (laughs) would feel very unnatural for sure. Yeah. And, and we know too, that our authors, um, travel in friend groups, they co-promote one another's work. Mm -hmm. They enjoy hanging out with each other at author events. They are each other's sounding board. Um, and we know that they are in author-only groups talking about this stuff that we are not privy to or invited to. Um, And the last thing we want is for somebody to have a bad experience and go into one of those author-only social milieus and say, oh my God, you know, don't ever work with any, you know, particular production company because, you know, they had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's all about relationships. And so, we are fortunate to be working for the best-selling authors in the romance, in the contemporary romance space right now. Um, and that's, we're good. Like we are, we are maxed out pretty much as far as the producers that we have right now. Um, and so we're very, very careful to just make sure that we're taking on additional authors um, who are a super good fit for us. Yeah. Yeah, especially because you also don't want to overwhelm the client list and then not have that individual touch with each of the, of the clients that they've come exactly. to yeah. love about being able to work with you is that trust that is built in the relationship because of how you have things aligned. Yeah. Um, you know, when once we, we maxed out our second producer's time, and we knew that we, we were going to take on one more, but we also knew the, um, the investment in that person, the, the onboarding, the training, the getting to know you phase. There, there are just things that you need to get to know about how we work, the production cycle that we work on, and our systems, and who does what, and all this stuff. Um, my feeling was, let's make this decision right the first time and really find somebody who, and like Katie is not trying to be a narrator and a producer. Mm-hmm. So Marnie, Marnie's narration career is just taking off like a rocket. She's starting to work for big five publishers already um, because she has the acting ability that, you know, it just, I knew it was just a matter of time before people discovered her and she got very busy as a narrator, which is happening, which is super exciting. But that means that we're not going to add authors to her roster. And Kim has another professional area that she focuses on. And so she let us know, hey, I can't responsibly take on more than I have right now. Um, So when we found Katie, um, you know, I knew that Katie had um, run her own kind of label, (laughs) so to speak, um, and had done all of this great, like her Instagram rocked (laughs) when she had um, that company. And so I already knew about her from that. And um, it just seemed like here's somebody who's ready to really do this, like full on, full time, give it to me, I'm ready. Super organized, super professional, friendly, fit with the culture of, you know, what we're trying to do. Um, 
so at the beginning of this year, I just kind of, I think it was our first team meeting of 2020. I just said, if, if it's all the same to you guys, you know, the four of us plus Kat in Australia, I think we're good. Like, let's just hold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because that whole, um, every time you grow, it just takes a little bit of energy away from the whole thing to make sure that you get that new component, whatever, you know, whether it's the bookkeeper I hired a couple of years ago or Camille or whatever, before it's easier, it's harder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you guys actually have a roster of narrators? Um, we don't have like an official roster like some of the big publishing houses have, uh, but we just have a basically an ongoing list that we can all pull from and it just has like contact information, things to just make it easier for us um, when casting. And yeah, as we kind of discover new narrators or get requests for them, we add them to that list so that other producers can find them. Um, and yeah, like occasionally we'll get requests where it's somebody we haven't worked with before. And personally, I always find that really exciting because it's kind of nice to see it, see the, like the romance taste, I guess, growing, you know, cause you do see a lot of like, I, I think if all, every single one of my authors, if they could, they would love to cast Andy for everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is nice to see like kind of up and coming voices as well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always like, I always say like when they like, oh, who do you say? I'm like, well, Andy would be awesome in this role, you know, but Andy's <laughs> booked until the year 2045, I think at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually let myself get booked that far out anymore. I yeah. used to and yeah. that didn't, that wasn't good. Yeah, no. But yeah, um, as, as far as the roster thing goes, um, one of my favorite things is when an author says, hey, I, I really like, you know, so-and-so but i can't find them i can't find them on the web i can't you know how yes. do you find i love i like to put my private investigator hat on yeah. <laughs> um i'm gonna second that it is yeah. really fun and especially once you actually figure out who they are and you get a hold of them it's like really rewarding feeling <laughs> yeah yeah. I, yeah that is awesome though i've had similar you know, in, instances for the podcast and for the, the series where I'm going, I love that voice and they have no social, they have nothing. Thankfully, I'm able to go with my contacts with you, being you guys and um, Audible or the or Cantor. And I say, hey, can you just let them know that I would like to? Um, and if they're okay with them having my, you know, they can call me or, you know, or email me or I can get the info. And yeah, but that's definitely, that's a perfect way of describing it, Andy, about putting your sleuth hat on. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, lo I love finding people. And um, I mean, the first person I ever had to find was Sebastian York. Mm -hmm. And he is really, really hard to find if you don't know what you're doing. And so I had, I worked my contacts and I finally got an email and emailed him and said, Hey, listen, this author wants us to co-narrate the book. I know you don't know me from Adam, um, but would you be open to working with me? And thank God he said, yes. <laughs> the rest is history. So, yeah. Well, wow, that's also, for me, it's nerve wracking. I don't know how it is for you to, to email them and just say, hey. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, it's not, it's not nerve wracking for me. I'm so excited that I found their email. Yeah. I write the email and I send it. And then if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. So do you recommend for the narrators that are thinking, um, when it comes down to that contact information, should they have something 
online or do you really like that sleuthing that much that you're like, no, no, it's okay. (laughs) They should be online. They should have a social media account or they should, I mean, any social media account because we're going to check them all. So they don't Mm -hmm. need to be on them all. They just need to be on one. And it needs to be clear when we find them that that's who that is. Because if there's 50 million John Smiths, we need to see some audiobook covers <laughs> on somebody's yes. profile. So we go, ah, that's the right one. Well, that's important too. I know something that I'm going to have to look for a narrator because I want to invite them on. And I'm going, I can't find you. have nothing. Um, <laughs> so it's hard. But I also like doing that uh, detective work too. It's, it is fun. It is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why don't you guys share um, what's coming up next out of your production company? What's being released? Oh, well, there's actually so much, I feel like, right now, which is really great. Um, I have some backlist stuff with Megan Quinn. Uh, she has a sports series. Uh, she has the dugout and the lineup coming soon. Uh, Ruth Cardello also has some backlist stuff coming out soon. Um, it's her Bachelor series, so our Bachelor Tower series. So that's really exciting. I personally really enjoyed reading those. So um yeah, I'm kind of excited for that. And then uh, a new author that I'm working with, Catherine Cowles, uh, has a first in a new series coming out called Reckless Memories. And that one is narrated by Andy and Joe Arden. So it's amazing, as you can imagine. <laughs> really, I love her writing. I'm so excited that we're working with her. Yeah, she's, and she's just like, I mean, all of, I've never had a bad experience with an author here, like ever, but she's really great. She's been really great to work with. Um, just as far as onboarding goes, she's just like very sweet. <laughs> so it's it's really great to work with her too. Uh, Kendall Ryan basically always has new books coming out. She's like a magician. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's amazing, but she has a new one coming out um, called The Dare. That's also with Andy narrating and Tim Page, which I believe this is their first book together. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. He was so excited. He was so excited. <laughs> and it sounds really great. Like Kendall was excited listening to it I was excited listening to it um so I think that that one is gonna be yeah really exciting for everyone and then I also have uh, a Sky Warren book coming out soon also backlist it's called Audition um and that will be out pretty soon there's been a little bit of holdups just across the board not necessarily for her but across the board um I think with everything that's going on in the world right now just I know ACX has had um, a few delays, so I don't want to give any specific dates for anyone, but <laughs> those are some some things to keep an eye out for, and yeah, many more to come as well. Sick. Yeah, you guys do a phenomenal job with posting on your social media what co- is coming out when we have like pre-order links and what has come out too, so. Yeah, that's yeah. Ashley. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that we have had for about two years now. Um, I made a connection actually locally to where I live with somebody who has an MBA, MBA in marketing <laughs> and has her own um, firm. And so she works with us solely dedicated to our social media. And yeah, um, it's, it's not something that we charge our authors for. It's, something, it's a way that we can provide added value for being mm-hmm. their production company. Um, and she is all over it. Yeah. That's great. So Andy, you want to share anything or can you share anything that's coming out for you? <laughs> yeah, well, um, in our in our production calendar, um, I'm looking at May uh, and start actually starting on Monday, the 27th here, we've got My Favorite Souvenir, which is the new Keelan Ward release with me and Sebastian York. Um, and 
the Tuesdays, every single Tuesday for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, every Tuesday, <laughs> every Tuesday for months in the future, we have releases coming out. Um, Big Ben, the new Nana Malone, uh, mm -hmm. is coming out next Tuesday, the 28th. And then um, Impossible Bachelor is the Ruth Cardello one, right, Katie? Yes, yeah. And then the following week, uh, May 12th, is Undeniable Bachelor. And May 12th is insane. Um, we have five releases coming out May 12th. So that's going to, we should like have a big party. Yeah. <laughs> a release party. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. Um, a new, we're, there's a new Sawyer Bennett book coming out that day, uh, Wild. And there's one called Kissing Galileo by Penny Reed. That's going to be coming out because Penny Reed's working with us now. Yeah. So that's why we need a social media person. because <laughs> again, <laughs> I think the kissing, the kissing Galileo one is actually delayed because. Oh, of, is it? Yeah. Just because of some uh, like pandemic narrator schedules. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. But, but that one is. I've read that book and I'm like one of the fans that is like, ah, I can't wait for this to come out. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but there is another one that's uh, going to be coming soon. I'm not sure if she's announced the narrator, so I don't want to say anything, <laughs> but I'm very excited for one of her books to be released soon. I'll just vaguely say that. <laughs> yeah. I love that you're at heart. You're just, you're a listener. You're just like me. <laughs> You know, that giddy, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I still get excited on release days for all of our authors because mm -hmm. I know what it is for, and especially getting, making it full circle with the Heidi thing. Um, going through release day as an author was a, an, uh, an eye-opening experience. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just like, I know it's a big, it's a huge day for them. And so I want to make sure that the social media is in place and we're, you know, re reposting and boosting and commenting and saying woohoo and the whole thing. Yeah, it's great. It's also, like I said, it's just that energy is so fantastic. And again, to have it be still that passion be there, it's so much fun. And I see that from you guys. So it's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy and Katie, for being guests uh, for this year's Audiobook Loving series. I greatly appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Viviana. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program.